0: 80 towers. What's up, AT? How you doing? I'm uh I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great, man. Other than the fact that it's snowing again here. It's a kind of a head bobber when it's the it's the
1: end of March, it's snowing and it's actually field hockey season. That is just as upside down as it could possibly be. <laughs> and it's field hockey season.
0: But it is college Across season, and I have been enjoying watching college Across tremendously, which is why we're here today, to talk a little college Across.
1: I can't imagine snowing and field hockey season like it's a double lower back pain issue, <laughs> right? It's a shoveling and bending over, chasing a ball on the floor with a cane. It just sounds like lower back problems. Sounds, like, sounds like, like backs that feel like a slinky that's lost its heart. Oh and once a slinky goes, that's yeah. It. Trash. It's trash. It's trash. Yeah. Metal trash. Yeah. yeah. Um How it, awkward it would be to be a slinky that went. And you're just done. Yeah. You're, just, you're useless. Nobody wants to play with you. You're just like over there in the corner, just uncoiled, and just nobody can uncoil you. You don't work. It's just you don't
0: work. And then it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like you gotta just. It's like a a horse when they break their leg. It's beat. Yeah. So beat. Beat. Speaking of beat. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's talk a little college lacrosse. So um, just give me your 50,000 foot, you know, mid-season report on, before we get into games and teams, just tell me what you think about the quality of lacrosse and how people are playing and trends and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it and I, I can't, I can't figure out who I think the best team is right now. It's either Maryland or Carolina, and I feel like I've been in Carolina's camp the whole year. Um, and maybe it's because they were off this weekend, and I got to watch the Jared Bernhardt show against Rutgers again on Sunday. But I just look at Maryland. I feel like they're such a, such a scary team, you know. Um, but I I feel like, and obviously we're going to find out more on Thursday when North Carolina plays Duke, but I do feel like North Carolina and Maryland are the two best teams right now. I feel like Duke is right there um, after that kind of all alone. And then I look at Denver, who's playing much better after two early losses. I look at Notre Dame, even though they came off a one goal loss to Virginia. I look at Syracuse, certainly came back from a 12-5 deficit to almost beat duke and you know then you've got rutgers and army uh you know i just it's so weird without the Ivy league schools and then you've got outliers you know you've got lehigh playing really really well um you know i want to see them play a top tier team and i don't know if we're going to get to see that type of game until the tournament and and with these the, with these ACC teams and these big 10 teams playing uh, you know each team in league twice, it's just, it feels a little bit like college football bowl season where it's hard to gauge leagues. I mean, you obviously look at the ACC teams play and you know they're great and you look at Maryland play and, and, and Rutgers kind of behind them and you feel like those two teams in the big 10 are are kind of on par with the ACC teams. You look at Denver, you look at, uh, you know, Georgetown, but but Georgetown is still up in the air for me a little bit. And, and that's because of that Denver game. And then Army's another team. I just, you know, it's 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 a little hard to, to, to pinpoint anything because you just don't have that many non-conference games.
0: It is really hard. It's going to be really hard for them. A- selection criteria um how do you feel like the face-off rule is affecting college lacrosse good or bad Do you like it i Um, think it's
1: much better i think it's much cleaner uh you're still seeing some dominance you know i will i'll say i was i was shocked to see td come out and go 14 for 14 i'm not so sure if that's him seamlessly transitioning to traditional grip rules or whether that's just efficiency on the side of pc um you know we'll find out did
0: you say traditional so i i call traditional grip rules tgr
1: (laughs) yep tgr Uh,
0: so he faces off tgr not mg yeah exactly right exactly right and so ndmg sometimes i call it ndmg yeah listen i get it tgr although not to be confused with Teton Gravity Research and our boy Corey Gavitt, but traditional grip rules um, has really—I don't know—it's kind of turned the face-off world on its head.
1: Yeah, i I think the uh, I think it's so much better. You know, I think you're seeing uh, a lot of different moves. You're seeing a lot of guys become effective straight rakers, and you know, you don't see as many jumps, which is interesting. Because I think with these rules, guys that are great clampers are more susceptible to being jumped, yet we're not seeing as many jumps. We're seeing you know, more rakes than we'd seen in the past. So overall, I think it's, I think it's great. What's the, um,
0: what's the rule on jumps? Are you allowed to make contact with the other person's stick
1: with your glove or not at, not at all? Well, I'm, I'm sure you're not allowed to make contact with the opponent's stick with your glove. Um, you know, whether people are punching the head of the stick or not, I think you're seeing a lot of guys, um, try this shovel move, which, you know, seems like it's a somewhat effective counter to the clamps. Uh, I'm surprised you're not seeing any quick chops. I would be, I would be definitely chopping these guys seeing that you've got a, uh, traditional grip and they're lined up fairly, um, you know, I'm, I'm shocked that more people aren't just chopping and laser raking because you're so much more susceptible to getting beat that way, in my opinion.
0: Other than the fact that you would probably pull a hammy pretty quickly, how do you think you'd fare right now in Division One lacrosse if you had to go face off?
1: Would I have to go chase them all?
0: No, no. You just got to win the draws. Uh, control control
1: the draw. Yeah. Control the room. I, I feel very confidently that I could do very well. What do you think your percentage would be um, uh, on an ACC team? Oh man. I don't know. Um, I feel very confidently that, that I would be over 50%. All right. I like it. We got to get that going. I'll leave, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> at 52. At 52. I, maybe I think I could, I think I could face off to my age. <laughs> it's like golf to your age face off to your age. yeah but that doesn't mean i could it just means i'm that confident i'm carrying 52 percent success rate confidence yeah but you know you're streaking too you might go 62 or 72 one now i am I, I always have been somebody that has really high highs and really low lows <laughs> makes me really fun at parties but but hurt me in the classroom
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so It's Maryland or Carolina as the two best teams. Um, Give me your argument as to why you think one is or the other is not. And then where does Duke fit in?
1: Okay. Uh, I I think I would say my argument for North Carolina being the best team in the country is I think they have the greatest balance from defense, goaltending, face-off group, offense midfield. They've got the superstar attackman in Chris Grant. They've got the complementary players in Kelly and Solomon and Cameron. They've got a totally underrated first midfield and first two midfields, in my opinion. Carolina might have the best first midfield group in the country. I know Syracuse gets that unofficial title, but I just think that the first line for North Carolina doesn't get enough credit, but I just like them from a balanced standpoint. I think their goalie's better than Maryland's goalie. I think their individual parts on defense are better than Maryland's. I think their face-off group in Tucci and Tire are better than Shockey. I think their midfield, first midfield is better than Maryland's. and I, I love how connected they are. Uh, that would be my argument for North Carolina. Hold on
0: before you move on. Yep. I want to hear detail on the defense individually as well as the midfield group, starting with the defense. You, you said individually, I think they're better player for player. How would you make
1: that? I think Bowen's, I think Bowen's the best close defender in the country. Okay. Him, him or Giles Harris, you know, maybe Giles Harris is considered more proven at this point because he's obviously a senior. But I think Bowen is playing definitely as a first-team All-American, and uh, you know doesn't get enough credit. And I I I think that um, their goalie is the difference to me. You know, their goalie at North Carolina is better than the goaltending that we've seen out of Maryland, out of of everyone. I think probably the closest goaltender to them would maybe be. Um Entenmann at Notre Dame. I mean, he's he's played great. Although Virginia scored some goals on him this past weekend. I just I, I like him better than the Maryland goalie, McEnany, And I like him better than the Duke goalie, Adler. And I do like Adler a lot. I think he's very good. But but I just think that the goalie at North Carolina is is a major is a major strength for them. I agree. I was talking about defense.
0: I think you're right on in the goal center. But that, that my question was about the defenders. I think Bowen, 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 Bowen is the Bowen is arguably the best defenseman in the country, you know,
1: that's right. And if you look at, you know, what they have to stop in the teams coming up, you know, can Bowen cover Bernhardt? I don't think anybody can cover Bernhardt. I I really don't, but I think he could do arguably the best job. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. No, but I'm not sure anybody can stop Bernhardt. I'm not sure anybody can stop Bernhardt anywhere. Um, Uh, You know, and he's, he's playing like that. I like Egan. I like, I just like the, I just like their, their whole group. You know, I think it, again, it's, it's all connected, you know, face off. That That kid, 31
0: is unbelievable. The sophomore from Calvert Hall, walk on unbelievable kid. I forget his name now, but he's off the hook.
1: No, no question. And, and uh, I just feel like they're the most well-balanced team in the country, North Carolina, you know, and and they seem to all be on the same page and they're all connected and, and their face-off success and their ball control allows their defense to play with full energy on a lot of the possessions. And that minimizes the quality of shots that their opponents get to take on a goaltender that seems to be making all the saves that he needs to make as well as some extra ones. And that's the sign of a, an all-American goalie. And that's what that kid is an all-American goalie. Yes, I agree yes. And so I just I just like North Carolina as a complete team more than I do Maryland. Uh, you know my, my argument for Maryland is I just think that their offense is the scariest offense because they're so disciplined. I actually like Carolina's individual parts. I think a little bit better, although I will say, I think Maryland's attack is better, slightly better than North Carolina's attack because I think Wisnoskis is a little more multidimensional than Solomon Cameron or Kelly. And so I, I like, I like Maryland's attack a little bit better than North Carolina's attack. And even though I like North Carolina's midfield a little bit better than Maryland's I just think Maryland is so overwhelmingly disciplined it just seems like their offense is again it's like the the shots that they seem to pass up good high quality shots you know sort of like 10 to 12 yarders on the run and, and, and 12 yarders with time and space it seems like they don't take those early in possessions and they're able to to generate you know Eight yarders in the end are dunks, and we've talked about it on this podcast before. And that, to me, just makes them so hard to beat because if they're winning faceoffs and Shockey's done well this season, if they're winning faceoffs and that offense possesses the ball, you know, for a minute and a half and then scores, it just breaks your will from an offensive standpoint. If you're the other team, you start to get so anxious. You know, it's, it's almost like the best of all worlds where, like when Princeton in the, in the early 90s would would hold the ball and hold the ball and hold the ball. And whether they scored or not, you'd get the ball back and you'd like go right to the rack and score. And, and if you scored, okay, sometimes you would. And other times you'd get a good shot and they'd get a stop and they'd get the ball and they'd hold it again for another 90 seconds. or So it's like they're playing as deliberately as they as they did before the shot clock went into effect yet they're still able to play that way and manage the shot clock and get their shots. So they're getting the depth in their possessions, but they're also scoring ultimately at the end of those. And to me, that's a team that, that really understands, um, you know, the power of long possessions and what that does for your defense and what that does to the other team's offense from an anxiety standpoint. And, and that you know, and then obviously they got some great players too. McCar, They got a first team all American defenseman in or maker, wherever you say his name, I think as well. And, and, you know, you put him on Chris gray. I, I do just think the difference in this game, if Maryland plays North Carolina, as I like Maryland, the goal, I mean, I like North Carolina in the goal better than like Maryland. And I like North Carolina's face-off group better than Shockey. And to me, that's the difference. And that's why I think I, I would lean a little bit towards North Carolina as the best team in the country. And then I got Duke behind them. And I think Duke is still figuring out who they are. So, you know, dive into Duke a little bit. So Duke, I really like as well. Naysha, uh has really, really emerged as arguably the best in the country. I mean, hard to hard to not look at what he's done recently and not have him, you know, as a top three guy. I think, you know, he's just putting up those kind of numbers. Clearly their attack with Sowers and O'Neill and Robertson is, is as good as any attack out there, you know, no better, no worse than Maryland's and North Carolina's they've got, you know, the tough cover in Sowers, although between Sowers, Gray and Bernhardt, I have both Bernhardt and Gray ahead of Sowers based on the season to this point. I, I feel like Sowers has played um, I don't know if worst is out of those guys, but but <laughs> to me, Gray and Bernhardt has played better than Sowers this season. Last season, it was no contest, it was Sowers. Um, what do you think the difference is, by the way? Any clue? I think the fact that Gray played at North Carolina last year and they've known, you know, their teammates and, and uh, they practiced, and they played together for a year, you know, before this, certainly Bar- Bernhardt's been there for. For four years now, um, and Sowers has come in. You know, I think Duke is is only going to make up ground in that area as everybody gets more accustomed to playing with Sowers. I think in the beginning of the year, I think he's pressed a little bit. Yeah, and I think that that probably stagnated a little bit of of their ability yeah. to get connected, but it seems like they're starting to show glimpses of serious offensive explosiveness. Uh, I do like Duke's midfield the least out of Maryland, North Carolina, and Duke. Um, you know, Adler, I think, is a good goalie. I, I, I like him better as a sheer stopper than McEnany at Maryland, but I like the North Carolina goalie better than both of those guys. Um, but I think that Duke is going to continue. I think Duke has the greatest aptitude for improvement out of those three teams because Sowers hasn't been there for the last few years and so i think that you know north carolina and maryland are playing at at a peak level right here and i don't think we've seen duke peak yet and can duke get there and beyond those other two teams yeah i think they can they certainly have the pieces for that i love uh giles harris certainly i love uh carpenter i i i, I love their pieces as well but it, but again out of those three teams it comes back to me it comes back for to i think that the, the major difference is in the goal for north carolina
0: um prediction for thursday night we're going to find out duke carolina thursday night
1: yeah i'm going to say i think north carolina wins the game 14-12 can't wait to watch that game I can't wait to watch that game either, you know. But but listen, like it wouldn't surprise me if North Carolina wins, you know, eighteen to twelve, and it wouldn't surprise me if Duke wins eighteen to twelve. I think a big, big part of that game is clearly going to be the battle at the X. You know, if one team has a decided advantage, I think that that's the team that's ultimately going to win. And I think if North Carolina has a decided advantage, I could see him winning by you know four or five goals. If Duke has a decided advantage, I only see them winning by you know, a couple of goals. I think, I think it's going to be a two-goal game, but if any team blows out the other team, I think it would be North Carolina has the ability to beat Duke um, you know, more so than, than Duke has the opportunity to blow out North Carolina.
0: They've definitely showed a propensity to, to get hot. You know, they, yeah. you know They got hot and blew out Denver. They got hot and kind of started to run it up against Virginia. Although Virginia came back and uh and it became
1: you know much closer game so they it did but you, but you start to get up like that even when Duke went up 12 5 on Syracuse we were like oh you know this is going to be a blowout it just you know you start to play a little differently offensively when you get that kind of a lead and you you, you can get careless and you can get cocky and 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 when that happens teams can climb back into games and you know, there are a bunch of teams that have a ton of talent and this is a game of runs. I mean, it really is. And, you know, a four or five goal run is is within the grasp of a lot of these teams that we're talking about, even against the best defenses in the country. So talk, talk a little bit about your opinion
0: on the Duke Syracuse game, since you just referenced that. And we're talking about Duke right now. What was your what were your thoughts
1: on that game? Well, I thought that Naso would win the draws, but I did not think that he would win it to the degree that he did. Now, I think that those statistics, the statistics are a little deceptive, seeing that uh, Syracuse got into trouble with some violations. And, And once you start to violate, particularly early in a half, you're just dead. And while I think the rule is a good rule, because I think it dissuades trying to time the whistle, and I think that's good, for the sport and good for the way that they officiate face-offs. I do think that it can distort the game in an irresponsible way. For Syracuse to win one of 13 face-offs over the course of the first 13 draws because they get fearful of going man down. I just that rule to me is a little. I I don't know. It just, I mean, let's face it. You got to be disciplined. There's no question about it. And part of what makes TD Ireland so great is that he like almost never jumps. Right. Um, But, but in the switch situations where you get two really good teams playing against each other and one team jumps, you know, two times and the next, the next violation results in a man down situation. You just, you just can't, so much better to lose the face-off than it is to go man down that you kind of are are pretty much just getting your ass kicked for the rest of the half until it resets and i think that that is a large reason on why you saw such disparity in the face-off statistics and but i I do think go ahead
0: what what i was going to say it's unfortunate when that happens what what would you tell your your face-off guy to do or what would you do in that situation try to be competitive? Is there
1: something you do? Differently? Well, I, I would, I, what I would not do is keep throwing my face-off guy out there. Right. I, I would not do that. I would put a pole out there and I would have him not make a move. And I would try to contest the ground ball. Now a really elite face-off guy is going to be able to get the ball against a long pole, but at least you have a pole on the ball and you, and, and you're in a position to, uh, make it more difficult for them to get an offensive possession off of that statistical win. I would not continue to throw my face-off guy out there if he has two jumps and there's whatever ten minutes left in the second quarter. But why put a guy out there from a personnel standpoint that, for all intents and purposes, is going to lose? So why have him out there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Doesn't make sense to me. I, I just just put a pole out there and 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 force naso to get it himself, which he will do. But you, you know, then you force him to have to make a, a good play yeah. with a long pole out there that's that's playing him
0: as an offensive player. Yeah. And you can beat the crap out of him and tire him out so that in the second half, maybe, you know, you can have at least a little bit of an advantage and come back to the reset
1: you could you know if i'm north carolina i would be super conscious of keeping naso on the field you've got you know two really good face-off guys and 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 duke doesn't have two at the level of naso they've got naso and they've got some other good ones as well but north carolina has two great ones i think if north carolina when they win the face-off I really think it would be advantageous for them to keep Naso on the field. Play five on five and have have that other face-off guy (laughs) do sideline sprints up and back and up and back and up and back just make Naso have to deal with them. And then if North Carolina wins, then they got another guy they can roll out and Duke kind of has to change their guy. And that's when you could see some major possession advantage tilt towards North Carolina. Interesting.
0: Uh, Okay, so the first, the first grouping there is, Carolina, Maryland, Duke. Then
1: who? What the, what's the next grouping? And, and talk a little bit about that. Well, I think, I think the next grouping has to be, um, Denver, Notre Dame, Syracuse. I think you have to put Virginia in that group. Well, Virginia just beat Notre Dame, so. Yep, yep, but they do have two losses. Um, I think that Rutgers, I think has to be in that group. I mean, their only two losses are to Maryland and they've looked really, really good. And they have the pieces as well. Uh, What's that? Syracuse in that group. Syracuse is in that group. You know, Georgetown's interesting. Is Georgetown in that group? Is Army in that group? You know, I think, from a results standpoint, I think you got to put Army in there because they pounded Cuse, yep. even though they lost to Virginia. What do you do with Georgetown? I mean, Georgetown has looked great, but they don't really have a win. I mean, you know they 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 don't have that. Like Denver's got their win. They they pounded Georgetown, right? And and Army's got their win. I just I just don't know. Georgetown needs a win, totally. In my
0: opinion, they're gonna Um, get they're gonna get more chances. They got to keep winning the games they're supposed to win, and then they're gonna hopefully
1: uh, get a chance to play Denver two more times. Yeah, if they beat Denver the next time, then they're in that group. But they got to beat Denver next time, and and I'm not sure that Loyola gives them that win, even though Loyola's Loyola's long. That'll be a a, a tough game in in a good Like, like hard to not put Lehigh in that group ahead of Georgetown. But Lehigh kind of doesn't really have that win either. I mean, Lehigh beat Loyola, but, but Loyola hasn't beaten anybody. Loyola just losing to Towson, too. That's bad. You know, dilutes that, dilutes that win, even though Lehigh beat them, you know, pretty decisively, right? I do think that Lehigh plays a, a, a very uh, smart style of game. And they, they have to be a team that teams do not want to see in the playoffs because a guy like Sisselberger could come in and dominate a great face-off guy. Like he dominated Bailey Savio when he played Loyola and they just, you know, they're just really smart offensively and they play a style of, uh, they, uh, of game where they keep the pace of play slower and that helps them as a team that's probably less deep than these top tier teams that we're talking about. Right. And so Lehigh is not a team that I would want to see in the, in the playoffs if I'm one of these like, top eight teams that they, they would they would concern me. You know, a team like Maryland, they could see a team like Lehigh. And even though Maryland has such a great offense, I could go see Sisselberger pound Shockey at the X and Lehigh's ball control offense score goals on Maryland. And, and, and that, would be a, that would be a real problem for a team like Maryland who would look at Lehigh and I think look past them. Just, they just sort of would, no matter what you'd say to them, they just would. And that's a team that, you know, could, could beat a team like Maryland. Yeah. Let's
0: talk about Virginia for a second. Um, you know, they do have two losses, but I feel like they're starting to find their stride a little bit to come back the way they did uh It wasn't a huge comeback, but they're down against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame looked really good. And for those guys to basically claw their way back, and and I I, I kind of feel like it's the emergence of Doc's Aiken, you know, who took a lot of time off, and now it's Doc's. You know, they're 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 saying Kark's talking about Doc's time, but it is man, and he he kind of took over, and he had so much poise, and he looked like the first team All American, the two time first team All American that we've seen, and. Makes a pretty big difference in that game. He had two and two, and he started to he started to dominate with his feeding, his dodging, his feeding, and his shooting with a game winner at the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I still think that when somebody steps in and takes a you know high to high fifteen yard shot that goes in, I still think it's a bad take. You and thought he, I thought exactly. I thought it, I thought it was a feet set. 12 and a half, 13 yard shot. I thought it was a reasonable shot. No, no, I, I think the shot was fine. Uh, what I'm saying is that Doc Seakin has a tendency to take shots that are, I think a little far out. And I think he doesn't always hold the goalies accountable with where he shoots it on the ground. It seems like a lot of times they're high shots and When they go in, everybody's like, wow, what a shot. And when the goalie catches them, you're like, where is he shooting it, right? The goalie stick or missing the goal. And I just think it's, it's hard to feel that you're getting consistent scoring threat there. I mean, look, he played a great game and they won the game and he stuck the game winner, but he's had a terrible season so far, right? There's no question about it. No doubt, but that's kind of my point
0: is he hasn't played particularly well. Cause he no. hasn't played a lot of lacrosse and I feel like that guy is a winner and he has taken bad shots. And generally when he takes bad shots, they lose, but when he doesn't take bad
1: shots, they have a really good chance to win because he makes plays. Yeah. Listen, there's no question. The kid's a winner. Like I'm, I'm not saying the kid's not a winner. I'm just saying if I'm looking at Virginia and your success is connected to his shooting percentage, I think you end up disappointed. I think he could make a change that would impact that team in a real positive way by simply taking more shots off the ground, right? If he's gonna take a 15 yarder and he's got that kind of heat to overpower a goalie, look, the worst thing that can happen to your shot is it gets caught. That's the worst thing that can happen to your shot. And I think that when you're shooting it high and you're shooting from that distance, your shots are going to end up getting caught a lot more than if you're taking them off the ground or forcing the goalie to have to, to move in a big way to make those saves. And I think if he can improve his discipline in where he shoots it, I think that Virginia will be, become a lot scarier and play with a lot more offensive consistency in that way, because let's face it, if he is hitting those shots and he is scoring, you know, three goals a game from the midfield and he's able to stretch defenses out. Now everybody gets involved and they become a lot scarier, right? His success as a shooter is directly linked to Ian Laviano's success as an inside finisher. Uh, I thought that Kyle Gallagher at the X would win more faceoffs than they did against LaSala. And I think to me, Lasalle was great down the stretch. He was great, I mean, he was really great, and that that shocked me a little bit. Um, you know, and let's face it, Virginia's played what eight games or nine games, and Notre Dame's played three games. Is that right? I mean, Notre Dame's played Marquette and Cleveland State and Virginia. And, and Bellarmine. And Bellarmine. Okay, so. So they played four games yep, fair and, and, and Virginia went up early and Notre Dame came back and then Virginia beat them down the stretch. I mean, is this a, a credit to Virginia or is this uh, reflective of Notre Dame not having as much game experience? There's a big difference, Jamie, between eight or nine games played and four games played. So, uh, I, I mean, and also, you know, just
0: having not played a, a big time opponent. Yet too, yet, Right. That's right. That's yeah, right. I don't disagree. I mean, my, my whole take on this is that I, I think Virginia is going to be there in the end with the ability no question. I, and I listen. think they played, they showed it to me in that game. I felt like against Carolina, I thought they took a, a lot of not great shots. They had a lot of shots, but I just didn't love the shot selection. They were rushed and they were farther out in, than I would have liked. And the goalie made a lot of saves. I felt like in this game they got they generate a lot of good shots, better shots, and they were more patient with their shots. And I think that when Virginia starts to do that, they're going to be able to beat people because they're so athletic in their
1: defense. They'll they'll come together. So I just that's my point. No, I listen. I I I agree a hundred percent. If but if they are shooting more responsibly, they've got the capabilities to be right there with Carolina and Maryland and Duke as you know, Denver as, as the best teams in the country. They've got the talent. That's not the problem. But exactly what you just said, if they if they become more disciplined shooters, absolutely. I mean, they've got the pieces. You just can't run with scissors all the time. While playing with matches by the pool. <laughs> Something's not going to go right out of those three things. <laughs> You're either going to get
0: burned. You're going to get cut or you're going to you get sunburned. You're going to like snap, fall down with the scissors. Just don't do it by the pool. I, I, I can get burned and I can get cut, but I don't want to drown. Yeah. So, that's a good point. And definitely not by the pool right after you eat. No, no one wants a cramp. As <laughs> um, all right. What else? What else we got here? AT?
1: Any other teams that you want to talk about? Um. I think that the big 10 is starting to, to look like the big two. <laughs> you know, you got Maryland and you got Rutgers. I watched the whole Penn State Johns Hopkins game coming back from the U14 qualifier the back of John Marcus's uh, beast that he has, this tricked out van with a TV. It's so sick, this thing. And I watched the whole game and it was just so... Hard to watch, but wow, is Mac O'Keefe fun to watch? His shots are so unbelievable. Uh, you know, and and but but Hopkins, it's just watching them is so so difficult, you know. Like, I was so impressed with them two weeks ago when they beat Penn State, they won the faceoffs, they controlled the ball offensively, they they played good team defense. You know, obviously in this game, our series snaps back and where he got crushed two weeks ago, this week, he crushed them and Penn State's offense, while not great, was good enough to win the game. I just was, I just was disappointed with Hopkins offense. Just doesn't look like they have anybody that's scary. You know, I think Dee Simone is clearly the best playmaker on that team but it just doesn't look like they have anybody that really scares you. You know, you feel like you could put a short stick on any of the Hopkins offensive players and you'd be fine. So
0: do you think only two teams go to the NCAA tournament from the big 10 at this point in time? Absolutely. It is so crazy not having the Ivy League and not having all these out of out of conference games, you know, yeah, it's so hard to tell.
1: Disappointing. I mean, clearly every ACC team goes, I think um, Maryland and Rutgers go out of the big 10. I think only Lehigh goes well, no, I think Lehigh and army, potentially Navy. What do you think of Navy? Did you watch any of that Navy Bucknell? I didn't watch it, but
0: I mean, they, they, they must have had a month hiatus there or something with, uh, with uh, COVID stuff, but um, 13, 12, they beat Bucknell. 1310. I
1: watched I watched it. You, you watched game. it? I watched the last half of that game. Yeah. And you know, it was a little blurry. It was a little tough to see. It froze a bunch of times. You know, you just gotta be impressed with, with Navy's ability to win games, right? I mean, now what are they? Are they two and oh or are they three and oh? How many games might have be, they played? Might be three and oh. Yeah, I I think I think that's a really good team, too. Yeah. You it know, sucks when it's blurry you. like that. Yeah, it sucks. Right, it, it felt like 1978.
0: Right, when you when you were watching Mike O'Neill and Dave Huntley
1: trying to win the national championship. Right, versus Cornell. I actually went. To, I actually went to that. My dad took my brother and I to that when we were little kids. Um, but yes, it felt it felt like that. It felt like I was it felt watching, like watching that replay. It, What's that?
0: that? It felt like watching the replay on, on TV when you when you watched like,
1: it. Yes, a little bit. bit. Blurry in 1978, though. It was so blurry. Like my eyes must just not have been good. Cause it, cause I thought it was clear as hell when I watched it in 1978. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a big week of games
0: um, for everybody listening in. If it's not a big week of games, we just don't do the show because it's just more fun to talk about big games and, and interesting stuff. So uh hope you, everybody enjoys it. AT as usual fun to talk across with you. And um, we will, uh, we'll see you next week. I think we got some good games coming up. We, maybe we'll be pretty consistent from here on out as things start to uh, solidify as to who's, who's going to be, you know, the best teams in the country. Look forward to it, Jamie. I'll check in. See you, buddy. All right, man. See All right.